said to Andrew, after all that we've gone through uh, with baptisms and music and liturgy, uh, we could just say amen and go in peace. But uh, we will look for a moment at the scriptures. I'd like to invite you to stand one more time. And um, I'd like us to pray a prayer together. This is called a collect, meaning a collective prayer. This is from the Book of Common Prayer, and it's been prayed for centuries on the second Sunday of Advent. And I love uh, the words that that we can give expression to in prayer. So let's pray this out loud, uh, thoughtfully and prayerfully together. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Today, I would uh, like us to focus on one word, one concept, a practice, as well as a word, a practice that we see in Scripture, and I really want to urge us not only to hear it and read it, but to do what that collect said, to mark it and learn it and inwardly digest it and live it out. It's a practice that I believe firmly is indispensable, desperately needed in every age and among all ages. It's a discipline that makes all the difference in our lives. It makes a difference in this distracting world. It's central to prayer. It's central to caring for others. And it's, it means fruitful labor in everything that we do. That's a tall order for one word. The word, well, actually, the word is connected to someone who has modeled, who modeled this word, this discipline for us. Matter of fact, this person was the very first Christian disciple. Wouldn't you like to be able to sit down with the very first Christian disciple? Who do you think I'm talking about? Is it Peter? Is it James? Is it John? It's Mary. It's Jesus' mother. Have you ever thought about it that way? Jesus is the very first one to say yes to Jesus, to invite him or to welcome what was already in being invited into her very life. I want to ponder uh, this concept with you. And the pondering that we're doing is to ponder the word ponder, okay? So here's the scripture I want to begin with, and it comes from the birth of Jesus at Bethlehem, where we see again and again this spirit of pondering and contemplating and reflecting lived out in the life of Mary. So here are the words. This is from Luke 2:19. It says, "But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. What were the things? As we'll see in a minute. This is when the actual birth of Christ took place in Bethlehem. 
the shepherds out in the hills have just heard this angelic invasion and choir tell about the coming of the promised Messiah. And they had to go to Bethlehem to see what was going on. And when it's all said and done, Mary and Joseph are there and they treasure these things in their heart. But it says that she pondered them. Now, the idea of, of pondering or reflecting is not something new. It's not something that's just from Scripture. Uh, I have the joy of teaching philosophy, mostly ethics lately. The, the title of my ethics courses is, How Shall We Then Live? And what I sometimes do is I start by putting the word philosophy on the board. I said, if we're going to be in a philosophy class, maybe we should know what philosophy is. What is it? How do you break it down? And, you know, blank stares. Uh, philo, phileo, Philadelphia, oh, love, yeah, love. Love of what? Sophia, what's that? Anybody know? Wisdom, love of wisdom. The second thing I put up is an is a ancient quote from, uh, I think it's Socrates. Some of you know this. The unexamined life is what? Not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. If you want to turn that around to a positive statement, you could say it this way. The truly examined, reflective life is indeed always worth living. And Alan Jacobs adds another corollary. You cannot live an, unex you cannot live an examined life on social media. <laughs> you know that, don't you? So Mary's pondering Mary's reflecting begins very early on. Matter of fact, it begins nine months before the birth, right? So you know the story. Here's a painting from what's called the Annunciation. That's the, a fancy word for when the angel Gabriel comes and announces to Mary with these words. Gabriel, angel, was sent from God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, Promised, the promised kingly line, the virgin's name was Mary. And what does the angel say? Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And she, it says, she was greatly troubled. Duh. If you had an angel enter your house, happens to be just the angel Gabriel, this archangel, breaks through the curtain of heaven and comes and announces that you, you are going to be highly favored. That's great, but then why is she going to be highly favored? Because the Lord is with you. And what else is going to happen? <laughs> yes, really. This was a little bit disconcerting for her. And it says that she obviously was troubled, and she tried to discern. That's the first actual word that could be translated ponder. She tried to discern. What's going on? Now, let's leave Gabriel for a minute and fast forward back to Nazareth. Mary and Joseph are there. The baby is actually born. And um, God out... Uh, I muted it. 
I'm all set. Is that better? Okay. So, so the angelic choir is singing glory to God in the highest. It says a multitude of angels. Now, this pretty special event in, is called the hinge of history. This is the coming of God in the flesh. And guess who the audience for this amazing concert of angels is? Is it, is it Herod? Did God invite Caesar? Are all the kings of the earth going to be hearing this? No, it's a group of shepherds. It's so like God. The more you read scripture, it is such a God thing to just go to the absolute outcast, marginalized, poor of the world, and they are the ones who get to hear the concert. Okay? So it says that when, uh, when the shepherds come, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, it's interesting. The shepherds are described as being simply filled with wonder. And it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So I looked up this word pondered in my old dusty Greek dictionaries. And, uh, and here's what it means. The word that's used here for ponder is literally to throw things together, to converse or to confer, in this case, with yourself, to reflect upon what you're beholding, to reflect on what you're beholding. It's comparing, it's reasoning, it's letting it sink in. It's how do I make sense of this? Mary was taking a deeper view than just being blown away with wonder in awe or fear. She was taking it in and she pondered it, realizing that something deeper was going on here. And as she hears the angel describe that she's going to be at the centerpiece of the grand story of God, she's right in the middle of it. She realizes, I have to understand what this is all about. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, he says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons, which is a legal term. Let me tie something together for us. So here's what we're saying about Mary. Mary, and this isn't, I just gave you two examples. There's always this sense that Mary's first posture is to ponder. She doesn't just rush. She doesn't react uh, with, with, a, uh, with a sense of emotion only. She's, she's obviously struck by what's going on, but she ponders. She takes it in. She treasures it in her heart. She takes the time to reflect. But Mary doesn't stop at this contemplation. That's another word we could use, isn't it, for pondering. It's ruminating. It's meditating. It's, it's reflecting. It's contemplating. She was contemplating these things. She didn't stop just at contemplation, though. It led to an amazing amount of action. So let's put those two words together, contemplation and action. Sometimes we want to put those two concepts or practices against one another. Sometimes we even make excuses for ourselves. Well, you know, I really can't get involved because I'm, I'm more of a contemplative. I, I need to be more 
more uh, secluded and alone, and, and that's a good thing, and that's a great place to start. But being a contemplative doesn't mean that you don't get up off of your seat and engage what you're contemplating, what you're pondering. On the other side, sometimes we can say, well, I, I know you talk a lot about silence and solitude and prayer and discipline, but I, I'm a doer. I'm, I'm a doer. I don't, I don't really have time to, to contemplate. As is as usually the case, it's not either or. There are really third alternatives. You don't have to just be a contemplative. I, can't, I don't have to be an introvert or an extrovert. I'm actually an introvert, but that doesn't mean I can't or should not engage with people, and God empowers us to do that, okay? So let's go back to Mary and look what she did, okay? So first of all, when the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, Mary, uh, you are going to birth the Messiah, Mary said, behold, remember what Mary said? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. As you have said, let it be to me. Here I am. I am at your service. I submit to you, that is the essence of what faith is. People ask me, what is, what is faith? I don't think I have faith. That faith sometimes in our culture is sort of a hope so. Sort of a, sort of a fuzzy thing. A leap off based on nothing. It's quite the opposite. Biblical faith is the opposite. It is taking a step of action based on a promise of the God of the universe who says, here is my word to you. Will you say yes? It's more like a proposal to marriage than it is some kind of wishful thinking or leap. All right? So that's her action. She, she responds after contemplation, she responds with the affirmative, yes, I'm going to serve you. And then Mary does something else. Something else comes out of her contemplation. And that is she breaks into song. Not just any song. It's a song that we call, historically, the Magnificat, because of the very first word of the song uh, in, in the Latin language. Some of you know this. This song is often prayed as part of evening prayer uh, every day, morning or evening. My soul magnifies the Lord, she says, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Now listen to this. This is Mary, the, the teenage Mary, who hasn't had the child yet at this point, right? Listen to what she's saying. He has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Where is she living? Under Roman occupation in a poor place of Galilee. And yet she continues. It's like, Mary, are you all right? He has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the mighty, exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. He remember, in the remembrance of his mercy, he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever, 
Some people have called this a canticle of defiant joy. That's what she prays. That's what she sings. She's filled with pondering that then shows the fulfillment of all the promised blessings of Scripture have come about. And the amazing thing about this kind of song, this kind of prophecy, is the reason she can say it in the past tense is because when God has promised it, it's as good as done. That's really the hope that we live under when we talk about the word of God and the coming of God to redeem the world. I urge you, this, this is a sample of some, some things to, to learn about how Mary pondered and then took action. They took Jesus to the temple and had an amazing encounter with Simeon and Anna that reminded them that she's not only going to go through this joyous birth with all of its complications, but she will one day have to also stand at the cross to see her child executed. And that's another thing I want to point out about Mary's pondering. Sometimes we, we sentimentalize Mary and we visit her once a year at Christmas time. Mary was not in it just at the beginning. Mary was in it for the long haul. She was in it for the duration. Because you know what Mary did? We, we, we learned that Mary was among the disciples. Luke's gospel especially tells us so much. Uh, Luke loves angels and songs and he, he has a strong stress on women and on the marginalized, on the poor. There's so many things that Luke especially seems to bring out of all the things that took place. But Mary was among the disciples. Even as in Luke 8, we hear that there were other women who were with the disciples, supporting them, encouraging them. Guess who's at the cross? Guess who's not at the cross when Jesus is being crucified? 11 of his 12. Who's there? One disciple, unnamed, who is probably John, the writer of the gospel, where this appears. Who's the other person at the cross? Mary. And so when Jesus, I, I love, it's a whole other study. We'll do this in Lent maybe. <laughs> of how Jesus from the cross reached, looks down and says, Mother, this is your son. Son, John, this is your mother. And from that point on, John took her into his household and cared for her. What's he doing from the cross as he's being executed? He's caring for his mother. There's, that's beautiful. But just remember also that Mary's there. She's not just there grieving. She's there as the one who has followed Christ, who believes that what's happening is actually the design of God that's going to redeem the whole world. And guess where else Mary's at? Fast forward 50 days after the resurrection, you have this feast of Pentecost, which God chooses to be the timeline where he is going to actually launch his body called the church into the world by sending the Holy Spirit in power to energize and to empower them for the work of reaching the whole world with this good news that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Guess who's there? 120, it says, had gathered in the upper room waiting for the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Guess who's there with them? Mary. Mary was on the mission. 
She was not just in it at the beginning. She was not just a receptacle or a tool of God. She was a disciple who was in it for the entire breadth of her life. There's so much there (laughs) to ponder about Mary's pondering. But I trust that in this, we're always distracted, but this is like distraction on steroids when it comes to the Christmas season. Take the time to ponder. Ponder the familiar. Sometimes we bypass things that are most familiar, but those are the things that we need to actually meditate most on. So I ask myself and all of us, will we, like Mary, will I, like Mary, be one who never gets over the wonder and the mystery and the surprise and the beauty of what God is doing, taking on our humanity and restoring the world? Will we, like Mary, let pondering and contemplation be our first posture we take so that our actions come out of prayerful pondering? Our actions come out of saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Will we, like Mary, be available wholeheartedly to serve our beautiful and loving Savior for as long as he gives us breath? Are we going to be in it for the long haul? Just like our brother who was baptized this morning, this, this is a way of saying, I'm all in. So let's be pondering disciples like Mary. Greg Johnson is going to to come and to pray for us and with us and guide us through the end of our time together. After After we hear the word, we want to just give it some space to sink into our hearts. It's like a, it's like a seed if we allow it to be. And we can either just uh, get up and leave or we can just take a minute and ask the Holy Spirit to put the seed deeper in our hearts so that it bears fruit. So that's what we're going to do right now. Just a little moment of response. In a minute, we're, I'm going to open up, I just open up this front space of the church. This is the altar. Uh, and the altar is just a, it's actually a space for us to come if there's a, an invitation from the Holy Spirit for you, a nudge, a prick, um, a next step that God's inviting you to take. Um, come on up. We'll have a prayer team up here in a minute, um, just as they did for Scott. Scott, uh, at his baptism and in his testimony shared about a nudge that he felt from God and he came forward to the altar and somebody laid a hand asked if he'd like prayer and it was a powerful transformative experience so that's that's the kind of space we want to create but first let's just let's just take a minute and ask the Holy Spirit is there a word from this scripture and this meditation on Mary that God wants us to receive and to say yes to and to live into. So Holy Spirit, from all all that Lyle has said this morning, is there one thing you want to bring to mind that you're inviting us to this morning? Just take a minute and just listen.
whatever's coming to mind, I just invite you to say yes to that. There's two things I want to invite us to as we, as we prepare to open the altar and enter into worship. One is, um, this is a crazy busy season, isn't it? Uh, December is nuts. And our culture has a lot of anxious energy, movement, activity, buying, events, all kinds of busyness. Um, I just admit, I've been kind of frazzled and frantic this month. And I think there's an invitation for us as disciples of Jesus to do what Mary did and to make a commitment to ponder. Like, we are not primarily called to be consumers. We're called to be worshipers. We are not primarily called to buy a bunch of stuff or run around like chickens with our heads cut off in December just because everyone else is. And so for some of us, if that's been you, that's okay. That's me. But this morning, I'm going to make a commitment, and I want to invite us as a church to say, we're going to ponder the story of God. We're going to ponder Jesus and his incarnation and his coming among us and his returning at the end of time to set all things right during Advent. So if that's you and you want to kind of say yes to that, I need to reset. I need to engage with this season differently. Come forward and receive prayer. Secondly, Mary, in many ways, what, what Scott did when he was baptized is the same thing Mary did with the angel Gabriel. That at the, be, at the beginning of faith is this decision to let Jesus in. And to say yes to Jesus. Think about that. Mary, teenage, unmarried woman. And the angel comes to her and says, I have an idea. God wants to enter your life as, as a baby for her. And it's going to disrupt everything. It's going to change everything. And God's going to use it to bless the whole world. What do you think? And what did Mary say? Mary said, yes. Same thing as Scott came and felt the nudge and he realized he needed Jesus in his life, he said yes. And so there's some of us this morning, I think that actually, as we've been talking about, God is knocking on the door of our hearts and the invitation is to let him in, to say yes. God, you can come and live inside me. and You can enter the world through me just like with Mary. And so if that's you this morning, you've never had a relationship with Jesus, Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church, but you want to say yes to Jesus. This morning, you can do that, just like Mary did. So we're going to open up the altar. In a minute, we're going to enter into worship. If you want to respond, just come forward. Don't care who, doesn't matter. Like, don't worry about who's looking at you. This is, this is a church where when the Lord says something, we, we respond in faith. Amen? All right, and if you want, uh, you know, someone to pray for you. If, if someone asks to pray for you and you come forward, you don't want it, just tell them and they'll move on. It's okay. But this is a space for us to respond. So Lord, we thank you for Mary. We thank you, God, for your redemptive work in history and that Mary took time to ponder it. And so Lord, as a church, we say yes. We're going to ponder you. We are not going to be crazy, busy, over busy, frantic consumers, but we are going to make space in our minds and hearts to look at you and to behold you because we, what we behold, we become. 
We make space for other people. And Lord, there's some of us this morning that need to say yes to you. And I ask right now, would you give us the courage to say yes? Jesus, you can come into my life. You can be born in me. So let's respond. Altar's open.